podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Boom, the boys are back, the boys are back, and because there is some pretty sizable football news uh, and a pretty big basketball game, I'm going to chop this up into two pieces, but before we do, you know me, I love, love plugging some sponsors. So, if you are looking for the best spot to talk with Bosco's boys on a weekly basis, if you're looking to have some fun with us every week download spotify tuesday after the mcneese state game or just mcneese i forget that they went through some different branding but we'll be going live after that game that game tips off at 7 p.m on tuesday so quick turnaround and we will be going live and we'll we'll broadcast that on wednesday on the rss feed but join us talk some k-state hoops Get your quick take hot takes out there. Join Chauncey, who's running around, and have a good time with us on Spotify Green Room. So, again, it will be no, it will not be our last live room of the year. We'll also go live on Wednesday, the 29th, as well. But we're going to have a good time. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, download it so you can chat with us. It'll be the last time before Christmas, so we can get a little bit of uh, Christmas joy going for everyone. Now let's talk just a little bit about what's going on in uh, the world of football. We had our signing day show where the one, the only, the great Taylor Bratt joined us. He did some questions from Grant and I, did some questions from the Boneheads. Again, another reason why you need to download Spotify Greenroom is you never know who's going to join. So, uh, you know, if you need any more reason, I I think that's what you have to do. Um, The news dropped actually a couple or maybe it was the very next day that k-state found their quarterback for the upcoming season it's been rumored i had been jumping the gun i I think i came on three different shows saying that it was basically a done deal and be announced at any time but it is adrian martinez from nebraska i mean he's a four-year starter he has the pedigree of playing big time college football he was a four-star recruit coming out, had a lot of great offers. Really, it was a coup that, uh, you know, that Frost was able to get him out of California. You know, he had some big-time offers. And I think it's going to be exciting. You know, it was pretty well-received nationally. You know, it, was, it got blurbs on ESPN.com. Some high-profile uh, college football Twitter folks were talking about it. I think it is going to be exciting. Now that it's official, we can start talking about it and getting excited for it without having fear that he's going to end up at Cal Berkeley or somewhere else. I think that we are going to see some very exciting plays. You know, the nature of the beast with Adrian Martinez is he's going to give you electrifying plays. Within the very next play, he could turn around and turn the ball over. Now, the Chris Kleiman offense... And the offense he likes to run is meant to minimize mistakes. Now, we, we've seen it with Jaron Lewis this year, Will Howard this year and the previous year, that if a quarterback isn't up for it, they can still turn the ball over. But what you got to hope is with the experience of Adrian Martinez, with the cast of offensive linemen who are going to be better than anything he ever had at Nebraska, when you have Deuce Vaughn, who is a better 
weapon than anything he ever had in Nebraska. You got to hope that some of those mistakes are going to come down. So I'm, I, I and it happened during this podcast. You know, I I've turned a leaf. I've become far more positive and optimistic person. So I'm going to choose to believe they can get it figured out. Now, uh, folks who want to detract from that, or not even folks who want to detract from it, you can be completely reasonable and say, hey, Scott, look, he's been playing college football for four years. He never really had a season where he took care of the ball. And that's true. So can he figure it out in his fifth year playing college football? I don't know. Eventually, you know, you are who you are, and the stats basically back up who you are once you're out there enough, and he has been out there enough. So maybe I'll look like a fool this time next November, and he's turning the ball over like crazy. And if that turns out to be the case, then, you know, that sucks. But ultimately, I think we've seen in the snaps that Will Howard has taken um, this year, especially this year, he just isn't at the level that the staff needs him to be for them to trust him going into the season, having him be the plan. Now, there's all the conversations about, okay, is that a failure of coaching, of recruiting, all this type of stuff. I, I'm not going to try to get into that today. You know, I've, I've made comments before. I've backpedaled. I've been all over the place. I, I just think that if you get the chance to bring in a guy who's been a four-year starter, who's had some electrifying plays, you have to bring him in. And now if Will Howard sticks it out, if Jaron Lewis sticks it out, Jake Ribley sticks out and they all develop for another year, then good. I think that would be ideal. You know, I don't think you need all of them. I'd like to see two of them stick around so you can have a real competition the following year. But at the end of the day, if you don't feel comfortable, in, in today's day and age in college football, there's going to always be a guy who you can go out and get with starting experience that you can plug and play. Obviously, ideally, it is best to recruit a quarterback out of high school, develop him, and have him turn into a stud. And I hope they do. I don't want to turn into every single year depending on going out and finding a transfer quarterback. That's not going to be fun. You know, you're not going to be able to have a love affair like, you know, a lot of us did with Skylar Thompson. Like we got to have with Colin Klein. Like we did love-hate relationship with L. Roberson for some. You know, I, I don't want to just have one-year mercenaries every single year at quarterback. But again, in this new age of college football, and especially when you have Chris Kleiman, who is really starting to show his chops in the recruiting, uh, re- recruiting the transfer portal, it's going to be an option. So I'm sure we will talk a lot more about Adrian Martinez. Again, it, it sucks. College football, the best sport in the world. We are more than eight months away. <laughs> from being able to see Adrian Martinez take a first snap. So we're going to have a lot of time to talk about, to speculate it, about it, to try to project out. So uh, we're going to have plenty of time. And again, also, I didn't even mention in this podcast, he is coming off of a shoulder surgery. You know, I'm hearing conflicting reports whether or not he'll be full go um, for any part of spring ball. I'm hearing maybe the back end, back half, he'll be cleared. Sounds like he'll at least be able to start throwing the ball, soft toss type stuff. Uh, at the beginning of spring practice, so it's going to be tight. Uh, so that's, again, not ideal because he's going to have to get chemistry with the offensive line, with the skill players, all that type of stuff. But, again, he's a fifth-year starter. And then, again, you know, if you want to play, you know, I don't know, we, we had this conversation last spring, but you are going to be able to have a spring where Jake Rubley and Will Howard – and Lewis, Jaron Lewis, are going to be able to take the majority of first-team snaps in spring ball. So, again, they're not going to have their development stunted a ton because they're going to get the entire spring. And they're still going to be able to do stuff in fall camp. It's not going to be quite to the extent of, you know, Skylar Thompson, who didn't need to take any first-team snaps until it was week one Stanford prep. But they are going to get all of spring. They're going to be able to run seven-on-seven. Seven. Adrian Martinez is going to be there in you, you look into him as a person. Everything you hear coming out of Nebraska was a great guy. He was a good leader. He's going to be around. He's going to be at seven, seven on seven, even if he can't participate. He's going to be at lifts, and he's going to be rehabbing. He's going to be around the team, and I think that's good. But ultimately, Will Howard, Jake Rubley, Jaron Lewis are going to be the ones who get to continue to develop. And I would gamble, if you're putting a gun to my head, 
I would gamble that you probably see all three guys in spring, and you might see one of them leave after spring ball. So we'll see. It'll be something I'll be watching uh, quite a bit. Um, Before we kind of move on, uh, and this again is going to be kind of cut up into different segments, but they did get another, uh, another, why am I blanking? Transfer, sorry. They, They got another transfer, and that's Josh Hayes. He is coming to K-State. He was at UVA. He was at UVA, and before that, he was at North Dakota State. So he was a guy who played for Chris Kleiman, and he was an all-conference player with the Bison, and then he transferred to UVA. He got banged up a little bit, and he hadn't played in the four games, so he decided, okay, instead of my super senior year, you know, I'm going to, and he still had a red shirt available. He's going to sit out so he can try to play an entire full season. Now, this is a guy that Coach Klanderman knows well, Coach Kleiman knows well. This is a guy we were going after in the portal last year. I'm looking forward to it. I think he is going to be our starting nickel. I think Hayes is going to be our starting nickel. He can play corner, and he's even a guy who can play safety if we need him to. Now, I don't think we're going to need him to. But we'll see how the rest of the transfer portals goes. But again, we are ahead of schedule versus where we were last year. We didn't bring in any guys until after the new year in the portal. You already got two guys, two very important guys, who are going to be instant starters. Now, I don't know where you're going to go from here. You need safeties. I'm thinking we're getting Eli Huggins back, so that doesn't make defensive tackle as big of a worry as originally thought. But you probably still need a defensive tackle. You might even take a multi-year linebacker if you can get one. And I, I will always take corners in the Big 12. But I'm getting excited because if you can fill in, and again, it, this seems like a lot of holes. I get it. This is the modern age of college football, folks. You're going to have holes to fill and you're going to do it through the portal almost every year. This is not just a K-State thing. You're seeing it all over the place. South Florida has almost completely given up on high school recruiting. They're going all portal. We're not going all that. We're, it seems like we're going about 60-40 high school to portal, which is a fine mix. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. We're in on a couple linebackers that would be great. Yes, he missed out on that Delaware kid. Uh, you know, it sucks to lose another one to Iowa State, but it's so early in the portal, and our staff is so good at scouting. I, I think we're going to be fine. And I know we said that we said that last year, but linebackers ended up being okay. Like, yes, you whiffed on Munoz. That's the only one you really whiffed on. You would have liked a matter, baby, to be a little healthier, give you a little more. But Munoz is the only one you whiffed on, so I get it. There might be anxiety when it comes to linebacker. But I, I believe in the staff, and I think they're going to find us linebackers. They're going to find us a couple more safeties, maybe another corner, and then an offensive weapon or two. We're going to be off to the races. And the Big 12 is going to be up for grabs next year. Now, I'm not I'm not going to start an Arlington campaign yet. No, I'm not going to do that. But there's no reason why we can't be in that you know eight, maybe nine win range next year. Again, we should have been in that range this year. But injuries uh, really hurt us because, you know, you had games that you could have won. Skyler wasn't there for. You know, and then you had games where Skyler's trying to get back into it. And again, you just didn't have the quarterback. Now you gotta hope Adrian Martinez comes back in. You gotta hope hope that you fill some of the holes in the portal, and then you'll be off to the races. But hey, we have more than eight months to talk about that. Last thing I'm gonna talk about before we end this segment, and it it probably will then lead into the basketball. I think this will be the first one. But I want to give a shout out to the women's basketball team. They had a great crowd. I think it was upwards of eight or nine thousand for their game versus Oregon. It was a nice win versus Oregon. And they're going to be in the top 10 in the net rankings, which is the computer rankings that the selection committee uses. The only two losses the women's team has is on the road to the number one and then to the number two team in the country. Mitty and Aoka Lee and some of these young guns that they have are playing a very fun game of women's basketball. 
And I know some people like to act too cool for school and say they're not going to watch women's sports. They're not going to follow women's basketball. You're missing out because this is a fun brand of basketball. I think Mitty has a team that's bought into his vision of basketball. And I've had fun watching them. And Aoka Lee is going to be someone who has her jersey up in the rafters. So I would buy in. I would watch. Get out to a game if you can in the Manhattan area. Cheer these girls on. They're going to have a big game at home versus Baylor here in in like less than a month. And then, you know, they're going to be off to the races. I, I think this is going to be the year they get back to the tournament. You know, if the men's basketball team, and again, this might sound stupid if we lost to Nebraska because that's coming up next. But, you know, volleyball got back in the postseason. Football got back in the postseason. You know, if women's basketball can get there, if basketball can get there, what's going to happen with baseball? All of a sudden, you know, it's, you're not going to have this high, super high level of success. I don't see a Big 12 championship anywhere for any of these teams. But getting back to the postseason after how disappointing that 2019-2020, or the 2020-2021 seasons were for everyone, that would be a massive bounce back for the athletic department. So stay tuned. Tune in to the women's basketball team, and uh, that's all we got. Hopefully I'm about to talk about a fun men's basketball win versus Nebraska, or I'm going to be very depressed. Stay tuned. Segment two is back, and I got my fearless co-host, Grant. Grant, uh, it's been a while since we've done, like, a Sunday show together. Uh, how you been? How's your week going? And, you know, got the dub over the ugly, ugly Cornhuskers. Oh, we did. Good cap off to the week. Um, for a second there, I thought it was going to be a bad ending to the week. But we prevailed. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm sad that it's Sunday night, but it's a short week. And I've got some days off coming up next Monday and Tuesday, and then it's another short week, so that's that's good. Ready for a little rest. Yeah, I I get the full. I'm off from Christmas Eve until what the fourth. Yeah, until the fourth. So I have that's a good nice. long period off. I'll have work anxiety and I'll want to log on, but I'll try my best not to. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's gonna be a very busy four days for me so i will be sure it will be yeah when i log off work on the 23rd it, oh man i will i'll be ready for a drink speaking of which I'll we be will there. be having our december drunk <laughs> q a so folks I'll, I'll send out the tweet but hit us with hashtag ask bosco um we're going to record it either wednesday or thursday probably thursday but we'll also be going live tuesday after the k-state mcneese basketball game on Spotify Green Room, we're going live every single week. And hell, we've been going live at least once a week, every week since March. So this is quickly coming up on like, you know, we're going to be at a year before you know it. So it's going to be very exciting. So join us uh, as the, you know, the the ride to 18 continues for K-State. So first, let's just kind of talk uh, before we dive into the game. Let's just kind of talk macro here for a second because, again, I was pretty down. I was pretty depressed. I was downright angry uh, that we lost the Marquette game. Uh-huh. But, and again, we, that, that might come back and haunt us. But we have reignited two dormant rivalries with wins in their city. You know, a 20, near 20-year 20 rivalry renewed uh, after going dormant with Wichita State, beating them uh, in Wichita, and then going to Nebraska's home arena after not playing them for 10 years. There has to be something to be said, even if these aren't great teams, getting one over historic rivals and getting wins in the non-con. And it is fun. You know, I, I turned my nose up, especially at Wichita State, and I, I think I was a little bit more on board playing Nebraska. But it's fun beating these teams that you have history with that you haven't played for so long. Kind of walk me through uh, kind of your mindset that you did get those two wins, even if you did drop, you know, the other three marquee games so far in the season. 
I definitely enjoyed the Wichita State win a lot more than I thought I would. I'm not super passionate about, you know, playing them, not playing them, but I do, I do feel like, uh, not necessarily a hatred for them, but I don't like Wichita State. I think their fans are obnoxious and I just find them to be annoying. So I think it's fun that we're going to play them now in a, like a kind of extended series and getting one over them this year was, was very fun, which was basically, you know, it wasn't an away game, but essentially it was a home game for Wichita yeah. state. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, winning that doesn't move the needle for us in far as non-con wins go, but I enjoyed it. I, actually I didn't, think I enjoy- that, that one I think is a tier two win. So it actually is pretty solid. I think the Nebraska one's only a tier three because they're so bad. But I actually do think when you're talking resume, that win does move it. The Wichita State, yeah. at least. As far as Nebraska goes, um, truly terrible. And it's it's actually like, you know, I think Fan tweeted it out today, just our abysmal record really in Lincoln over the last, you know, I think he I think he listed it as different coaches. Yeah, I think he went back to the uh, Kruger era. Their records in Lincoln, and it's pretty shocking how how much we've struggled there. Um, you know, Nebraska's never really been much of a basketball school, much of a basketball threat, particularly this year. And it looked like you know, we were off to a very slow start playing just very stupid basketball, and they were at one point, 50% from three. And it just kind of felt like one, another one of those nights, but it's fun. I, I, it just, you know, it's Nebraska and people hate Nebraska, whatever they have their feelings against Nebraska. But I, anytime we play an old, you know, big eight opponent, even an old big 12 opponent, I tend to enjoy it quite a bit. And I wish there was a way to play them more. Um, it just, it just stings a little bit and drives home even more how, how, much it sucks that you know the conference that we grew up loving and watching every single week is dead and never ever coming back just with such a great fit of teams but um i think going forward i think your idea is the best do some sort of like big eight thing in kansas city as a preseason tournament or something like that where we get to play you know Missouri, KU, Nebraska, K-State, something like that. Oklahoma, Colorado. Oklahoma, yeah, that would be great. I mean, it would be a lot of fun. Um, but it's fun. I, I'm glad we beat these two teams. Um, I wish we – if obviously I think I would trade – if I could trade one of them, I, I would trade maybe Wichita State with one of the other, one of the other teams, maybe Arkansas. Mm. I but, wouldn't, just for sentimental know. reasons. Like, I get it. It would probably be better to trade – uh, the Wichita State one for a higher profile victory, but I just emotionally no, I I wouldn't do it. Um, well, let's dive into it though because you you started talking about it. So here are my thoughts. We can dive into individual players afterwards, and you can tell me if you agree, you disagree. If I'm wrong, tell me whatever you think. But when I think back on that game, it basically was dictated by. The two hot starts for Nebraska, the first half, they start off going 50% from from three. And then after that, I don't think they hit another one. And that is when we dug a hole. We were down by close to 10. The next one is to start the half, the first couple of minutes, they just come in, we give easy buckets at the rim. I don't know what it is, and this is probably my biggest critique of Bruce so far this season, is for whatever reason, and again, you know, it's similar to the football team. There's something about starting that second half, and granted, Uh the football team starts hot, but it's something about right when the game Uh starts, they're either a little too tentative. They're not quite moving. They're not quite hyped up. I don't know if they need to all take a shot of espresso 15 minutes before the game to, like, wake themselves up, but there Uh is something about them. But, you know, if you get rid of those starts – you know, Arkansas, Illinois, uh, especially Wichita State, we would have beat Wichita State by 20 if you get rid of those. And you win the games versus Arkansas and Illinois if you don't start the halves so slow. Um, so that's my biggest critique because after that, we shut them down for the most part on defense. We didn't shoot great, even if you take out those periods of time. But again, 
it, it is what it is. They got open shots. I want Nigel Pack to keep shooting those. Uh, eventually, it's going to average out. He still ended up in double figures. I just, you know, if you get rid of those slow starts, that's great. My worry is, though, with as good as the Big 12 is, that you could legitimately be buried in the first five, six minutes for some of exactly. these teams, and you're not going to be able to come back. What I was going to say is – essentially that but even if you look at what are we seven and three right now you can use our 10 games as evidence enough as as you get buried against good teams you can't have those lackadaisical stretches where you're just not switched on and the same thing happened with us against Arkansas basically the three best teams we played this year with a pulse there was a period of time where we were kind of buried Marquette was more back and forth but once you get into the big 12, you're going to be punished. I mean, it's, it's just an absolute gauntlet and teams are going to score like crazy and you're not going to be able to dig yourself out of those holes. So I agree. You got to be switched on for 40 minutes at a time. And I don't know, it's gotta be, you know, Bruce has to fix that. He's got to yeah. be nailing that home. They need to figure something out. Um, let's move into some of the individual performances. This is something that I've harped on almost the entire season about how seemingly every single game you either get Selton Miguel or Marquise Noel dialed in, but never both on the same night. You didn't get either one of them tonight. Um, I think this is Marquise Noel's worst game as a wildcat. Again, it's nice that you can have that game and you still win by nine. Uh, but it was kind of like all the bad without much of the good. Now that might be a little harsh on him because if you pull up the box or he still had, I think I'm pulling it back up. I think he led the team in assists when it was all said and done. How many boards but, did he have? I'm curious. I feel like he gets a shitload of rebounds for his. So size. Marquise Noel played 26 minutes, two of 11 from the field, 0 of five from the three point line. Didn't get to the free throw line. Four rebounds, three assists, three seals, but five turnovers. Yeah, not a good. Five turnovers, not great from him. And then if you look at Salt Miguel, 29 minutes, two of 10 from the field, did hit his two free throws, but only four total rebounds, only one assist, two turnovers. Yeah, not good. That, I mean, um, Selton Miguel is worrying me a little bit. I'm not – I don't think he's making as much progress as I want, and I, I feel like he's not playing as aggressive as he should be as far as, like, attacking the rim. And that, I think, goes – that's team-wide for us. But Selton Miguel particularly, there's not a lot of players that are going to be able to guard that first step that he has. And he's so good at getting in the rim. And he's probably our best finisher at the rim. Maybe Mark Smith is better at this point in time. But I want to see more from Selton Miguel. Um, get to the free throw line. You're a great finisher. Get inside. Good things happen when, when we attack the rim. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And it, it really was just a disappointing game from both of them. Um, Mark Smith, who you brought up, he had a massive three-point shot, but he had six turnovers, six yeah. turnovers. The team as a whole had 19. We did turn them over 17 times, but again, 19 turnovers to only 12 assists. Again, that was a sign of a, a game that we did not play well. Um, and, and I think that, and for better or worse, Nebraska's cheeks, they may not win another game. They're so bad. bad. <laughs> They're bad. But anytime yeah. you play that bad and you still beat a team by nine, I think that says something about the collection of talent. Um, again, and then here, here's my thing about Mark Smith. He turned it over. That wasn't great. He had seven total rebounds, which was good. The guy only shot three times. He only yeah. shot three times. He hit two three-pointers. Misses only, uh, you know, two-point shot. I would have liked to see him, when he's feeling it, shoot it a little bit more. If you look back at his score sheet, you know, a handful of times this year, he is shooting 75, 50, 60% from the field, but only shooting three, four, five shots. I would like to see him kind of take up that mantle a little bit, especially in a game where you look at it, uh, Noel, 2 of 11, Selton Miguel, 2 of 10. Nigel Pack, okay, but still 5 of 13, just barely above 33%. 
I I'd just like think to that see... I would have liked to see him take a few of more, more of those jump shots. I agree. I think Mark Smith, one, should shoot more, and two, he should handle the ball less. Um, yes. When he's trying to run the point, bad things happen for basically everyone on the floor. Um, he's, he's very prone to turning the ball over when he's trying to run the point, and there's a couple times tonight where he just did not want to let the ball go. Um, and he just basically kept shuffling back and forth near the top of the key. And he had open guys basically coming off of picks multiple times. And he just fucking held the ball until there was six, seven seconds left on the shot clock. And by that time, you know, an entire offensive possession is basically wasted and you've got to force some bad, ugly shot up. And that's what happened on both possessions. And I don't know. He needs to hold the ball less. Stop handling the ball like like he's our point guard because he's not, and shoot the ball more because he's got a good stroke on him. Yep, I agree. Um, we'll we'll touch on a couple more things with the guards before we talk about the bigs. Mike McGirl only played twenty minutes, shot the ball five times, was two of five from the field, hit one free throw, only one rebound, two assists, no turnovers, but five. <laughs> Excuse me, coughing over here. Five fouls, fouls out in only twenty minutes. Um, right, I who was just that? what? Who was Mike that? Girl, Mike McGirl. Yes. Okay. I just, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think ultimately, I'm happy he's back, especially now that he's not starting. But I just, I wish we had someone else. And I know he's not <laughs> counting against the scholarship this year because you know, yeah. just the COVID rules. But man, I I, I love agree. Mike as a human. He has given. He's sacrificed a lot for K-State basketball, but man. Yeah, he's struggled. I mean, he's struggling mightily this year. And um, I don't know. I mean, even when – hopefully soon. Hopefully soon, sooner rather than later, he'll pop off for one of those nights where he carries us to a win. Um, and I hope that happens early in the conference slate while we're still alive and somewhat afloat. Um, Cause he, you know, he oddly does have like in his locker one or two games where he just, his hair's on fire and we're going to need that. I mean, he went off, coming. he went off versus uh, North Dakota, six of six from the field. But again, yeah. that's North Dakota. Yeah. We didn't need him to go off really. There. We're going to, we're um, going to need him to like single-handedly beat Oklahoma or Iowa state or something at some point this year. We start in Norman, right? I want to say we do. I don't have it pulled up. Uh, Well, they can't win in Manhattan, so. (laughs) Well, but Lon's gone, so. Lon is gone. That's true. Yeah, it's nine straight. How long was he there? Nine years, probably. Yeah, he's there for a while. Fuck. Uh, So one last thing I want to touch on with the guards is Nigel Pack and Noel both started, uh, both played over twenty-five minutes. Pack played thirty-four. He's starting to get back in the swing of things. And, you know, he actually looking at his stat sheet, he went three of four from two, uh, which is nice to see, and three of four from the free throw line. Almost had a double-double, 15 and seven, with five assists, two steals. So, overall, outside of three-point shooting, great game from Nigel Pack. But what do you think of the lineups with those two out there? Are you in favor of it? Or do you think, hey, this is just a necessity because – uh, Salt Miguel hasn't been able to be consistent, and we know what Mike McGurl is, and Luke Kasuki's not a starter. Or do you really think, hey, yes, this is a good use of minutes for this team? I'd rather they not, for the bulk of the time, be on the floor at the same time. And that's maybe, I mean, just given what we've seen over a stretch of 10 games. Um, like if we're going to have a starting line happened a lot though. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's true considering he's been, Nigel's been out for a decent amount, but I don't know. I, it's hard. Maybe I think it might be a little too early to say, um, I'd still ride more. So like leaning with like giving Miguel minutes, more minutes and trying to, I mean, he had almost 30. He had 29 minutes. I mean, Mark Smith only had 20. Marquise Noel, 26. Nigel Pack, 34. Mike McGurl, 20. 
I mean, right now, after 10 games, what do you think our best starting lineup is? Well, I think it's what we trotted out there. I Unless the, the only thing, because I, I think that ultimately our best lineup does include Marquise Noel and Nigel Pack, and that's a little bit scary because we saw the worst of Nigel Pack or the worst of Marquise Noel today. And again, here's the thing. We, we saw the worst of Marquise Noel today. But if you look at what he has been doing, you know, 22 points versus Green Bay, uh, he, he was not good versus Marquette, but he was good versus Wichita State. He was good versus Illinois. He was solid versus Arkansas. You know, he, he was our best player, you know, during, you know, while Pack was out. So I, I think that is the best lineup. Now, Ish Masood didn't have a great game, but only shot the ball four times, 21 minutes. He was five of five from the free throw line. Uh, only grabbed uh, four rebounds, was in a little bit of foul trouble. The only thing that I might change is I might, as Davion Bradford starting to get a little bit more conditioned, switch him in for Easy Agu, and maybe if Selton can figure it out, put him in there and then slide Mark, or slide Mark Smith down to the four. But here's the thing. When you're starting two guys under 5'8", you probably have to try to be as long as you can in the other three spots, which means you yeah. have to defer to Mark Smith and uh, Ish Masood. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, I think when they're both on the floor, though, I I actually want I want Noel running the point I don't. and and handling the ball more than I want Nigel Packin. Do not. Ball. I do because I think his scoring ability coming off the ball as a two, and I mean, and, and I might be holding I might be holding this game against Marquise Noel too much. Yeah, I I, I mean, just saw that could be way- true. Nobody played really well tonight. I mean, Pack was true, solid, but, but like we all kind of looked like shit all night. And um, I, I need to see those two combine and just kick the shit out of McNeese on Tuesday or on yeah. uh, on Tuesday for me to and Marquise being the one. And I think he was the one who predominantly handled the ball. I just th- there were just some of those those turnovers and some of those three. Th- this was. It was Marquise Noel, you got the bad, but none of the good. And this is yeah. the first game where it's truly been like that. So I'm going to kind of hold off doing my knee-jerk thing and say, all right, you know, you got to kind of rein him in. So um, do you have anything else on the guards before we kind of talk more about uh, Easy Agu? I do want to say Luke Kasuki, he played 12 minutes. I, I liked nice. his defense, and he did have that one good play that led to a steal, and then he got a bucket. Um, I, I, I've, I've liked – his athleticism so far he only played 12 minutes i like that he's not just chucking the ball every time he touches it on offense when he is out there but um do you have anything else on the guards before we talk mainly about uh davion bradford and casey easy not really i think they're nah we'll give them one all right uh so i thought that they both looked really well so davion only played 14 minutes everyone knows he's still kind of getting his conditioning back but in those 14 minutes Four of seven from the field, one of two from the free throw line, five rebounds, one steal, one block, nine points. Easy Agu, nine points, nine rebounds, one steal, five, yeah, nine rebounds. And then he was three of four from the field and three of four from the free throw line. Here's my (laughs) second very big critique of Bruce. And this was, uh, you know, after the slow starts. This was a game where obviously we were not shooting well jump shots outside, but you had two big guys who combined for 18 points inside and very good shooting percentage. And Davion's misses, he he uh, picked up two of his missed shots that resulted in a bucket. Why, why do you think he is hesitant to sometimes run the offense through those guys? We saw at times versus Wichita State where Easy Agu just completely ate we saw it at times last year where he just – it was, hey, Bradford's touching the ball every time down. Is there anything that you think is going on early on this season where in this game, in the Marquette game, mainly those two because Arkansas and Illinois, we weren't giving it done inside. But why do you think it was, you know, with the Marquette game and tonight where we just refused to kind of run the offense through the inside despite them having an advantage? It feels like that's <laughs> – and I don't know – it feels like to me that that has been a problem in the entirety of the Bruce era is, and it, particularly in the last three to four years, 
it seems like we we are very hesitant to go inside. Well, I and... mean, when Dean Wade was there, it all ran through them, and then they tried to force it through McCall and Aileen. So I, I don't think that's accurate. I mean, I guess. Um, but Dean Wade spent a lot of time on the outside as well, um, and for good reason. He was a very good three-point shooter. But uh, let's focus on this year, particularly this season. Uh, <laughs> we don't like to go inside and it, it feels that way at least. And, and it always feels like there's, there's no sets that are designed to actually attack the interior. Um, now not a basketball coach, but it feels like a lot of times we're just running some motion and we're just waiting for something to happen. And it doesn't um, probably why we take so many three pointers. I don't know if that's, you know, Bruce Weber coaching that into them. Probably not because Ironically, Bruce is known to be like pretty a pretty good offensive coach, which is I find fucking insane. But again, that shows that I'm not a basketball guy, clearly. But and I don't know, because I actually thought I actually thought against Marquette we went inside like we attacked inside so much better than we had in the past, particularly against the zone. You know, Bruce has seemingly struggled so badly when teams hit the zone against us. And it was like the best I've ever seen us attack a zone. But that said, um, maybe it's just a, a, you know, lack of players executing the game plan. You know, once you're in there, things get sped up times 100. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's harder to be patient and go inside and, you know, let the big man go to work than it is to just swing the ball around the outside and hope for – wait for an open three-pointer. Uh, That would definitely be my biggest complaint though. Um, We're not utilizing our seven footer and our, however the hell big easy egg is. Is he seven footer too? I don't know. He's close. And and maybe I'm, I'm trying to kind of self-reflect when I say this type of stuff, because again, they did combine for 11 shots from the field. I just, I guess I, and it's not modern basketball, you know, is that, you know, an offense coming off an offensive board though. And, you know, is well, I that think reflected? only one of them because I I think Bradford's offensive rebounds came off his own misses. That's and what I don't think, Jimmy. and I don't think Eziagu uh, Eziagu did not have no. He had four offensive rebounds, so I don't know if any of his were putbacks or not. But but again, it's not modern basketball, and I, I guess this is kind of where folks probably listening who coach basketball or they're into you know modern basketball, they're telling me to shut up, you know. But I hate like again. How many times did we shoot? We, we shot twenty six three pointers, and we only hit three of them. They shot twenty eight, and we they only hit five. Again, I I just don't like that basketball. Again, when you yeah. have a seven two two seven footers with offensive talent, I guess I just don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just bad. That's just bad basketball. I don't think but, that's but modern think that, basketball. No, I, I do think way. it's. No, it is. You're right. But that's also bad basketball. Like it's all about, you know, moving the ball in different types of sets. And, you know, we set like, I think a lot of those shots from the perimeter that we take, we are settling, like we're settling for bad shots. A lot of them are bad shots. And I, I would say, some, I, I would say, Nebraska, I, I wouldn't say a lot, lot of very of bad shots. Like I think we both took a lot of bad shots in that, and shit, we could let's go back to the Marquette game. I think both teams took a lot of just forced fucking bad deep shots. And it is kind of how the game has evolved. But, you know, you look at the good teams that have fucking top coaches, even Arkansas, they were running really good inside outside pro sets. And I know they shot a lot of threes too, but we don't see that as often um, in Manhattan. Um, and when we do, it seems like it works. Like, there was a really, really good play tonight where uh, Noel kind of came off of a pick, drove, dished it to Eziegu, and he and he dunked it. And it's like, why don't we see that more often? That penetrating and kick at the very minimum. I, it seems like you would want to do that as much as possible because that's going to open up open perimeter shots for you in the future. So it drives me nuts, and <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we just if we start hitting our threes, we'll stop complaining. Well, I don't think we're ever going I, – I don't think we have the talent to, you know, shoot 26 threes a game and hit 13. Hell no. 
you know, I, I just well, so I, far not against any team that's a recognizable name. <laughs> but even the nights that we do, it's I. I mean, are we shooting twenty six of them? We're shooting at least. I don't know, but it seems it, at least from what I've seen so far, when people post the stats against bad teams, we're shooting over forty percent for three, and then against the. No, I know. I, not, you and know? you're you're always going to shoot better versus the bad team. I don't know. I just i I would just prefer us to to again try to pound it because we finally are in a situation for the first time since you know Thomas Gibson and like because you're right, Dean Wade was more around the free throw line and extended instead of on the post. But it's like the first time since Thomas Gibson where you have guys who can catch the ball when it hits them in the hands, and yeah. you have two of them. Yeah. So. I don't Maybe know, once that, Davion gets really gets up to speed, we'll start seeing us go inside more. Because um, it does kind of feel like at the end of last year, he was getting fed quite a bit. And I would say, you know, he's cl- he's clearly not back to 100%, but he, endurance-wise and fitness-wise, he looks like he's kind of getting closer. And his strength, I think, is, is he looks like he's there. Um, you know, he's been fighting through. He was fighting through defenders and finishing really tough at the basket uh, tonight. So hopefully, hopefully, but I agree, man. It drives me insane. At least I think every single, every, every possession you should go inside and out at least one or two tries and see if you're big. Well, no, that's, that's, you can't have hard and fast rules like that. Again, as much as I would like to do that, but you you can't say, okay, we're going to do that twice every possession in 30 seconds. Well, you know what I mean. I've at well, least yes, once man. big man touch the ball, see if he's got something and kicks it, and then just move the ball. We need to move the ball better. How about that? That that's fine. And and I actually thought that you know while you were hammering some of the bad shots, I think some of them were bad just because they didn't go in. Because I I felt like almost every three pointer Nigel Pack took, I didn't say, oh, that's a bad shot. I don't know. No, I I agree with you. Not all of them are bad, but we still. I think we settled for a lot of shots that I wish we wouldn't tonight. Maybe not as much, but uh, I mean, when, when you have what? So we had fifty nine shots and nineteen turnovers, so close to seventy possessions. That's more possessions than I think we necessarily want. Um, but you're gonna have you're gonna have to settle for some. But again, we're not basketball big, big brains, so feel free to anyone feel free to tweet at us and tell us we're being stupid but um final thing you know we i i kind of have the target trying to get to 18 wins we got two more non-con games rummies before conference play starts up and we still have Ole miss down in oxford mississippi where is your temperature check we haven't had you on in quite a bit to specifically talk basketball i think i'm Kind of on the edge. I I, I want to see us how we we handle big twelve big twelve play early on because I think if you get one or two early, you know if you get Texas at home or if you pick off Oklahoma on the road early, all of a sudden I think this team will have momentum and you catch a couple teams on a bad night. I don't think it's out of the realm to get to seven eleven then grab one in Kansas City to get to that eighteen win mark. Um, based on some Twitter interactions you and I had. You don't even think that would get you in. I think you're wrong. We can make a side bet later if we want to. But I'm getting the vibes you don't think we're going to come close to that 7-11 and morning Kansas City mark. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think we'll win our next two games, and we're going to finish 9-3. and three. Um, Well, then Ole Miss. Oh, so yeah. Okay, so Ole Miss in the middle of the um, – God, the Big 12 is tough. The Big 12 is freaking tough, man. There's three teams in the Big – four teams in the Big 12, not including us, that are unranked. And, you know, Oklahoma could be ranked any given time. West Virginia could. It's tough. I think 7-11. and 11, uh, I mean, we could talk about it, but, I, yeah, I don't think it gets us in because I just don't think – I think when it comes down to it – 7-11. All right, here, here. We're going to do Maybe the Big 12 is that strong. We're going to do a bet right now. If we go 7-11, then go 1-1 one and one in Kansas City. Again, it has to be a very exact scenario for this to play out. Yeah. What do you want the bet to be? Because um, we will be it. I Zero just don't. I have no faith. It depends on what the rest – depends on no, what it everything else it does. it literally does not matter. I don't think we'll be in. I really don't. 
Okay, and then let's I'd be happy it. to be proved, proven wrong. Okay, I okay, bet please. you our 2022 Q3 and Q4 payout that we will be in if we go Fuck. seven and eleven. Like that, and one and one Kansas no. City. I'll buy you a bourbon. That's I'll buy you like a nice bourbon. Okay, that? we'll 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 do a bourbon bet. So I'm pretty confident. So that's what I'm targeting. That's what I want to see us do. All right, that's all we have uh, for this <laughs> episode. We're gonna call it a night. Send us your questions. Check us out Tuesday night on Spotify Green Room. It feels good to beat Nebraska. I'm glad we beat them. I hope we get Missouri on the schedule soon, and I would get Oklahoma on the schedule as well. Um, I think it feels good to have Adrian Martinez too. Oh yeah, I mean you didn't get to talk about that, but uh, we'll we'll uh, make sure you get to talk about it during the drunk Q&A. Alrighty, sounds good. Cast we beat Nebraska. Yes, Cast. Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheer, yeah. Fun for all the children call their favorite time of year. Snowflakes Network.